Hey everybody, this is Dave with a couple programming notes for this episode. You'll hear Mark Blankenship sound sort of echoey in this episode. His mic unfortunately uh, was on the fritz, we didn't discover it until after the show had recorded, so you're hearing his audio through Sarah's mic. Quite listenable, but he sort of sounds like he's on Skype, but in fact he was in the same room. Also, our uh, RSS feed for the podcast is changing in a few weeks. So if you want to get ahead of the game and change it now, the information is on the podcast page for this episode and on the Extra Hot Great Information Experience page, also on previously.tv. All right, that's it. This is a big episode. We're off next week for Thanksgiving, so parcel it out, and we'll see you in two weeks. I thought you wanted to meet someone. I meet plenty of women. I don't need your help. I, I ran a bioscan and it looked like your testicles were at full capacity. You're scanning my balls? I didn't enjoy it. I just... Oh, I can't God, help but notice. You're backed up. What is the matter with you? This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 12, the week of November 18th, 2013. I am Improbable Street Address David T. Cole, and I'm here with Arraignment Judge Sarah D. Bunting. Save it for trial, Counselor. Indicted Ham Sandwich Tar Ariano. Ham! And Disrespectful Witness Mark Blankenship. No, I don't remember what she looks like. Well, we're back finally after uh, various family travails took me out of town. Uh, thank you, listeners, for uh, for your patience. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about procedurals today and what makes a good one. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, what makes a good procedural is that it's on, uh, involves crime, <laughs> and is marathoning somewhere when I am either awake or trying to go to sleep. Uh, so my bar is pretty low. Uh but there are some there are some sort of rules and regs for what makes a good procedural and what makes a crappy one. Uh, first, though, I'd like to welcome Mark Blankenship. Hey, welcome and back, his Mark, Mark Blankenship Chair. It is an honor to be sitting in the Blankenship Chair again. It's an honor to host the Blankenship Chair in the Bunting Recording Bay. <laughs> uh, Mark, what do you think makes a good procedural? Well, as someone who has spent possibly 41% of my waking life watching them. Certainly the first thing that I want in a procedural is the sense of not being able to tell where the plot is going to end up within the first 10 minutes of the story. And, you know, as Law & Order Mothership got into its later seasons, it started to stop giving me that particular... Uh, it, started, it started missing that particular bar. Yeah, I think their uh, field trip to Los Angeles... Um... That like three episode arc where uh, Ray cheated on his wife mm. or With Lauren didn't Graham. quite right cheat on his wife or whatever was kind of the end of them trying to fool us. Uh, although I would posit that it could go either way. Like, yes, you should try to surprise us, but there's also something very comforting about how very predictable, say, an SVU or Criminal Intent episode is. Ah, see, I've never liked SVU or Criminal Intent okay. for just that very reason. Different strokes. Different strokes. I feel like I want to feel like that each episode of a procedural is simultaneously inviting me into a little puzzle that is going to be solved at the end of the episode and rewarding me for longtime viewership 
by giving me tiny bits of information about grander arcs or characters. I want both things at once, and that's what I deserve. Damn it. Okay. How uh, how is TV doing servicing those needs <laughs> um, so far? <laughs> well, um, I have to say that that is why I have perhaps surprising even to myself been really enjoying elementary uh the other sherlock show okay because it totally has been filling my law and order niche in that every week there is some little twisty crime story although sometimes the twists are ludicrous and involve sherlock knowing that like three types of bat have a certain type of tooth and he saw a tooth indentation in someone's skin and all this crap yeah see that detective bobby gore and stuff kind of doesn't work for me Except if it's Bobby Gorin, who is hilarious and knows everything about everything from Egyptian art to bats to carpeting to baseball. Um, I don't know. But, but, so anyway, yes, that frustrates me, too. And yet I'm willing to get over it because, one, Johnny Lee Miller is really cute. <laughs> and I feel like that I get uh, a satisfying... Ooh, seltzer being open. <laughs> That's a clue that's going to come back voice. later. I hope you were all paying <laughs> yeah. attention. Um, uh, actually, this is the 23-minute mark, so just ignore it. <laughs> Bubbly herring. But I also love um, feeling like I watch Elementary and get little drips and drabs about Sherlock's life and uh, Watson's life. But I feel like, like any good procedural, that stuff never takes over and uh, overshadows the story that needs to be solved or the mystery that needs to be solved this week. Yeah, where do you guys fall on involving the characters' personal lives in a procedural show? Because I'm thumbs down. Yeah, a, in a in a in a procedural as opposed to a drama that has a crime in it, which like I would put The Wire into that category. It's not only about you know solving a particular crime. Obviously, that's a main part of the story, but it's not everything. Um, right. I I'm with you. I don't care that much. And, and um, I might I might feel differently about this if the entire Stabler family on <laughs> SVU hadn't abused my trust with that over the course of the 88 seasons and children yeah. that were caught up in various mini dramas that uh, I don't care. Yeah, SVU is a particular offender in this area because there's it's it's like they've designed all of the characters to have pieces of their backstory that they can bust out at at regular intervals so that somebody can take it personally like SVU kind of invented taking it personally yep. mm-hmm. and as starting from a point where we find out in the very first season that Benson is the product of her mother's rape it's like okay <laughs> like that's really putting your thumb on the scales as it were um and and I feel like they get they got so much mileage out of it that was really manipulative and still are really and there's something to be said for a character to have storyline versus having texture yeah so Mm -hmm. you take a show like uh the bridge Mm -hmm. where there is personal character snippets uh say for the sort of um autistic spectrum character yeah yeah um and i'm mostly talking about the danish version Mm -hmm. because you know the u.s one was yeah i was gonna ask if you were talking about yeah u.s um i thought they blended it the european version blended it quite well yeah, yeah i agree and and without that you don't get a sense for how the character is doing her police work and mm. why she's really good at what she does as opposed to like filling in the backstory and having like flashbacks about you know when her sister died or whatever like they don't actually show you that they just catch you up she's this type of person and it informs the show how she tackles crimes and stuff like that so yeah. that kind of stuff i'm all for but when it gets into um 
the detectives who you just want to detect. Yeah. You know, uh, talking about, you know, uh, money problems or why that roast beef wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. You know, you're all just like looking at your watch, like, let's get back to the crime. Yeah, I think European shows have an advantage in that area where if they know they only have to do 10 episodes a season, it can just be about, I mean, it really can only be about one case for the entire season. And the character stuff gets revealed in a more organic way as it's relevant, as opposed to it being like, well, now we have to make them really invest in whoever so we have to give them a dying child or a gambling problem or something. Like how Aiden Quinn's character on Elementary two weeks ago suddenly had marital troubles yeah. only because they needed to make us care about whatever crime was being ha- what's happening in his universe. Classic. Agreed. That's crappy. I also mm-hmm. think for a, for a straight up um, procedural, the plot should be a little bit complicated, but not too complicated. For a, for a procedural, especially American one, I want that shit wrapped up in one episode. So keep mm. it so I can I can keep track of who everybody is. Don't make it so it's like every episode is, you know, a serial killer puzzle thing. Now, um, Mark, I know you are a fan of the killing. So not even <laughs> did that show not wrap it up in one episode. It didn't wrap it up in one season, which was a bit of a departure from the uh, source material. How did uh, how did that show keep you interested uh, over like two seasons? Good question, Dave. Well, well, justify thing, your love for the killing now go i would just say i wouldn't say that i love no the i heard killing. you did like, i, I thought, married yeah. the killing but <laughs> i go to second base with the killing but now. i did let the killing get its hand up my shirt absolutely <laughs> over <laughs> the bra and, <laughs> and I, I just felt like i never understood the intensity of internet rage about the killing frankly because here is what the killing gave me that i liked it gave me atmospheric visuals it gave me decent enough acting I, I, it's like i i think that to my mind i just needed the killing to be distracting enough i didn't need it to be like this deep meaningful life-changing show and the killing to me was distracting enough to watch on saturday and it was they gave me enough interesting stuff within each episode in terms of new clues or whatever that even though i thought a lot of the plot developments were kind of ridiculous I didn't really care because I was entertained enough. And that might be a really low bar, but for me, a procedural, I think like Sarah was intimating before, is succeeding when it's entertaining enough. I don't watch a procedural so that I can get really sucked into a Breaking Bad level of engagement with the show. And so The Killing, again, gave me enough every week and had two likable enough, charismatic enough lead actors that... I didn't mind showing up, and I watched all of season three. Okay, <laughs> season three as well. Okay, no, you're the one. Okay. <laughs> so it sounds yeah, like what I you're saying is is you you like um, what you respond to in a in procedural is the familiar tropes. Like that's you're you're coming to not be like terribly surprised by the form. Exactly. Yeah, that's why I, I agree with the that. blacklist. It's mm-hmm. like a. I mean, I feels like the same function as like a home and garden TV show where it's like, ah, property brothers, I know your format. Soothe <laughs> exactly. me. Yeah. That's, but it's, let's it's make it comforting. about dead bodies instead of uh, renovating homes. Like, you, Sarah, I think, I think you said something like this about when you wrote about giving Bones another shot where it's like, it's on all the time. I might as well just figure out if I can get on board with it so that anytime I'm in a hotel room, I can watch it on whatever exactly. secondary cable channel shows it in a marathon. Because repeat attempts with criminal minds 
have failed. Mm. I don't know what it is about mm-hmm. that show. I can't with that. Yeah. Um, but for me, like, I'm happy to watch a well-built, like, really compelling procedural like uh, BBC Sherlock. Yeah. Um, yes, of That course. does make me pay attention. That's something that you sit and watch and you're not doing your nails, for example, mm-hmm. or paying bills or kind of half looking at Twitter. Uh, but the hotel room procedural is a an uh-huh. integral part of my TV diet, personally, yeah. right. that it's like, I like to have something on that it's like, I know these characters, I know mm-hmm. how this works, I know where the act breaks come, and sometimes they do something different with it that's interesting, but if they don't, that's fine, because sometimes I just want to take a nap. Yeah. If I may, I'd like to draw an analogy to pop music. <laughs> Shocker. Go I thought ahead. you said pot music, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> In the same sense, okay, so pop songs, right? There's a Katy Perry pop song, which is very good at the formula. It's like the best version of the mindless, probably crappy formula. And then there's the Britney Spears songs of late, which are the crappy versions of the crappy formula. So <laughs> I, it's like, I'm not arguing that I'm, I, I want my TV junk food in the shape of a TV procedural. And I just want the best version of the junk food. Like, I don't need, again, the killing or law and order or whatever to like, reinvent tv but i do want them to have mastered the elements of the crap that I you like. want the name brand cheetos and not cheese puffs exactly right i want <laughs> right. dr pepper not dr thunder mm-hmm. wow although having I dr. Want dr. Thunder? dr thunder now. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that stage that's name if you know what i mean porn soda i think it's the sam's club dr pepper it's dr thunder maybe Wow. Uh, but but when you have like best of breed that have the big budgets, sometimes like they fall into the trap. One of my procedural no-nos is getting the big name guest star. And then 90% of the time that is the murderer, even though they try to make it look like they're not. But when and you the introduce the herrings are so smelly and <laughs> it's like a red, I don't even know, mackerel. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> red mackerel. Are you thinking of Robin Williams on SVU? Because, oh yes. my God. So many. SVU Anyone, been... any, it's so true. SVU is a horrible um, Was Julia Roberts the killer on her episode? They never no. rerun that no. PS. I think she, she had someone. She worked for somebody who was the killer, I think. Yes. She was okay. the key, and she, she tried to seduce Ray, but yeah. she did not kill. Right. But right. yeah, SVU has like, they must have some kind of mathematical formula for how they determine like the exact right B-list person <laughs> to get mm-hmm. to play the serial rapist because it's like <laughs> Dean Kane, yes, Dean Kane <laughs> is someone people will recognize, but like Rob Lowe, he's just like slightly out of their range. Give it five years, Rob Lowe will be on SVU. That's yeah. my prediction. But like, Or Atomic Train ooh. 2. <laughs> <laughs> sure you and atomic train i've what never seen it but i just like to know it's out there how do you guys feel about violence in a procedural how violent mm. do you care for it to be or does it make a difference do you mean violence that we see or violence that is implied uh i mean like i guess i mean how graphic it is what you see and i have in mind specifically hannibal probably which is the, certainly the goriest show that i've i can remember seeing on a network um i am fine with it uh there were a few visuals from last season i mean i love hannibal i'm in the tank for hannibal but there were a few visuals last season that were nauseating to me and i have a pretty strong stomach for that sort of thing but generally speaking as far as the quality of the procedural or whether i would or wouldn't watch it it's 
not applicable. Mm-hmm. Well, Mark, within the you- procedural, you know, you have, you know, all your like mini genres, right? I mean, you have the squick procedural. Yeah. You have the straight up precinct procedural. You have, you have the horrifying Foley design procedural like CSI. <laughs> like every right. time yes. they show you a wound track, there's that disgusting squelching like, mm-hmm. got it. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> the number of formulas for a procedural you know, speak to how comforting they are to people. It's true. That, you know, even even something as gross as Hannibal, you can put under the comfort umbrella, you know, as a mm. procedural thing. Because it's like, much like Law & Order, you know what you're getting every week. You're going to get that money shot of the totem Guy pole turned of into a cello. dead people on the beach or, yeah, yeah. cello man or whatever. But in Law & Order, you're getting, you know, the <laughs> you know cops on the beat and all that kind of stuff that you're used to. I mean, yeah. it's all sort of the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't One matter to I'd me. Like to just... I'm happy with grossness. I'm totally desensitized. People keep your cats away. I'm totally desensitized about <laughs> it. <laughs> Mark, you were saying? Oh, I would just say that I feel like typically I'll own the fact that I get grossed out by really graphic images. So I prefer my procedurals to be a bit more demure. Mm-hmm. Talk about whatever you want, but I don't have to see it. Right. Yeah, that's why I like about... Uh, Sherlock. Not that it's it's more like a little movie movie events, yeah. but um, but I do like how everything's just you know you don't necessarily have to see everything. It's very British. Mm-hmm. It is very British, yeah, and uh, you know that has its merits too. But I mean, I like Hannibal. I like Sherlock. They're all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, any well, other uh, church was sort of violent, but in this emotional way that yeah. I think I might have been the only one watching that. But um, it it'll be really interesting to see how the American version differs, especially since David Tennant is in both of them. Yeah. Not sure why that has to happen. That is weird. Yeah. But that was very good at suggesting certain things that were deeply disturbing without getting too um, graphic or literal about it, which I thought was good. And that actually takes me back to another reason that I have enjoyed not one, not two, but three seasons of The Killing, which is that that show, for all of its many flaws, which I am not disputing, did a very good job of making me feel the emotional weight of crime. Right. And there were, especially in that third season, there were a lot of characters who I felt like I understood what their souls were going through, just through the way that they were written. Right. Yes, Broadchurch did the same thing. Yeah. That's a good point. The other thing I'd like to just m- note is that one reason that procedurals are so comforting is that you can watch an, a law and order from 15 years ago and sometimes you can guess the killer because it's someone who wasn't famous yet yeah mm-hmm. but who has since become famous like claire danes in season three or two cynthia she, nixon you, as the vigilante on the subway exactly sure. or any dennis o'hare appearance yeah mm-hmm. god yes and he's always off his meds too it's like a very specific <laughs> dennis o'hare killer and he's defending himself he's like i'm fine now i shaved and i'm really sorry right. so good. i'll be pro se one time I was, I was flying to Los Angeles a couple of years ago and I think I tweeted, Dennis O'Hare is on my flight, so if I get murdered. Whoops, sorry. He totally did it. <laughs> that was the Dennis O'Hare soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> that was the hoarder soundtrack. Yeah. Why are you <laughs> implying that Dennis O'Hare is a hoarder? For all we know, he throws out his garbage on time. All right. He hoards great roles. He does the, do that. Um, all right, well, should we do uh, some, some quick don'ts? From our list? Sure. sure. Let's do it. Dave? Uh, my big one I've already said, which is uh, signaling the killer by uh, hiring a guest star above the show's usual means. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Uh, don't Agreed. have sexy lady cops. They are boring. Just have regular lady cops, which I'm sure lady cops generally are. Poppy Montgomery, don't care to see you in anything else ever yeah. again. Yeah, Milena Govich, oh. go to law school. Sorry oh. to the uh, tight dress pants industry, but we don't need you anymore. <laughs> God, seriously. I would say don't make your anonymous functionary judges, witnesses, and attorneys too quirky uh, because yes. I don't... I need one line. I don't need six lines of backstory and a Southern accent. Deborah mm-hmm. Winger. Ooh, fair. <laughs> or every uh, judge on say, The Good Wife. Not that it's a procedural, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's very much too bad. And we can talk about that another time. <laughs> uh, my thing is, please presume a certain level of expertise in the audience. Yep. The fact that Nick Stokes is still explaining what a ballistics test does <laughs> in CSI's 158th season is kind of insane. Yep. Like, it's CSI. It's been in the culture since God was a child. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Mr. President, there are too many states nowadays. Please eliminate three. I am not a crackpot. I am not a crackpot. I just think there are too many streaming services that are now offering original TV content and they need to all be consolidated into one. We were all okay when Netflix started running their original um, shows. Obviously, House of Cards was the big debut, even though Lily Hammer came before. Nobody cared. <laughs> Same with Hemlock Grove, but like... Actually, one guy cared. Uh, they Which emailed guy? me about asking how, how we're going to cover Lily Hammer. Oh, and I was really? Like, um, <laughs> um, was guy. it Stephen Van Zandt? Well, that's, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> even he's like, leave me out of this, please. He sent a P-mail for pomade. Anyway, um... <laughs> So Netflix is now in on it. Amazon Prime has recently started showing Alphas is the one that I just saw a billboard for here in Los Angeles. Uh, But it's really under the radar. Hulu has a whole bunch of original stuff that's crackle. Yeah, crackle. Um, What else? I feel like there's even there's more. YouTube YouTube has has like a little studio. Yeah. yeah. And and not like crappy sort of in defense of Britney YouTube stuff like they have a studio. Yeah, they have produced stuff. And I think Nerdist has a whole bunch of original shows. And like HBO Go now has shows that are like HBO Go only. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's too much. It's too much to keep up with. I, I can't. I don't know which ones are good. It's like there's there's so much no one can review them properly. Like Alphas has fucking John Goodman and Clark Johnson in it and Mark Consuelos. But still, it could be a very good show. But I literally will never know because it's like it's too much. I can't. If it was on Netflix, I could at least sample it. But like every time I turn on Hulu Plus, it's like, oh, yeah, I meant to start watching East Los High and never did because it's like I'll never remember it's there. There's too much TV. If you can't be on the TV, everybody just get together and decide all the streaming shows are going to stream on one service because you're making me insane. (laughs) Yeah. Online TV. OTV. Okay, so that's it's not a yeah, it's it's not a quantity issue it's a discovery issue yes that you're facing but it's a filter an organization issue, issue like we go on you and i dave go on netflix every weekend mm-hmm. looking for whatever may be new that we want to watch and then we end up renting conan the barbarian on itunes instead this story actually happened <laughs> yes i spent most of it reading in style and lucky that's not the point we are on Netflix a lot seeing what's new. And like Netflix, I feel like has a good strategy in terms of like they really promote their new their new shows. They don't have a ton of them. They space them out. 
So if you're going to, you know, get on board with it, it's easy for you to do that. Whereas with Hulu, like hard, I don't know how many people even know how to stream Hulu to their yeah. actual TVs. Ditto Amazon Prime. And Hulu is burying a lot of cool documentary stuff that it's like there yeah. just won't be enough hours in the day and you need to really pick your shots. Yeah. Like, well, what what Netflix is doing differently is they're making actual, you know, network quality marquee shows yes. that are getting not only uh, eyeballs, but they get press. So the discovery issue isn't there for that kind of stuff. Whereas right. uh, Hulu is doing sort of more of your, you know, web series style stuff and they're slowly moving towards bigger things well that's uh, but they well come on they haven't made a house of cards they haven't made no but this this, but a lot of their british stuff is marquee quality stuff but yeah but it's not original stuff anyway what i'm saying is that should maybe be their role is as an aggregator of like european procedurals like the bridge like braco 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 oh yeah yeah french the wire whatever so, I would say that one one thing that Amazon did that lost me, because we actually do stream at my house, Amazon through the Apple TV or the Roku or one of the many devices we have. I get it on my TV. They l- dumped all of these pilots on me at one time and said, watch all of these and then vote. And that really turned me off because I have a culling problem, too. And it's like, no, if you don't have the decency to tell me in advance which shows are good enough for me to watch, then I'm not going to watch any of them. Because Netflix only, like you said, has two. Right. So I need to feel like that someone out there is doing the work for me when we get this many. Yeah. And I, I agree. And I feel like it's it's slowing down the critical process, too, because like they're as far as I know, I mean, we don't get them, but I don't really see a lot of reviews for the stuff other than Netflix either. Like, no, rarely do I see anybody touting anything that's that's on Hulu or Amazon. And I feel like those get lost in the shuffle. They might be great. I'll never know because there's so right. many distribution channels and I can't keep up with uh, all of them. And my own personal neurosis is if I'm late to the party, very often I'm just like, I, I can't stand to be the last one on the bandwagon. So fuck it. That one's just going to go by the wayside. That was me with dumb. Orange is the New Black. It's like, maybe I'll get to it, but probably not. That's going to have to be okay. Like, there's just too much stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, and then there's Annie McDowell's show on Hallmark Channel. I mean, I haven't even had to watch that yet. <laughs> I'm just saying they should all join forces so that they can get better exposure for all of their stuff and make it easier on me, the consumer. I'm not a crackpot. I agree. <laughs> Is this worse than jazz? Sarah, what do you got for us? Um, keeping it on topic with Procedurals Week here, uh, I posit, well, actually, I ask, because I'm not sure myself, is the theme to Cold Case worse than jazz? <laughs> Let's have a listen, shall we? <laughs> I think this is the music the hobbits trudge over mountains to. <laughs> Frodo, you must bring them, bring to the mountain of doom. Uh, okay, so was that a theme to a police procedural, or was that like the craziest spa 
background music ever. <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. Pure Moods, Volume 10. Mud and bath. cookies can Mud be bath. a little sweaty and melodramatic, but it could also be, I mean, I watched it like from start to finish, I think. It wasn't usually, it could disappear up its own ass a little bit with the flashbacks and the, whatever, they, they solve the crime and then the ghost is approvingly nodding at the detectives. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, cold case. And then there was always the mystery of the of Lily Rush's hair and like, what are you what are you doing? Yeah. Just cut off the back then. What what is happening? Um it was a pretty solid show, but that theme is really terrible and it's one of those that's like not quite long enough to fast forward through and yeah. soaring strings it did dave you're totally right it sounds like it belongs to a completely different genre of something except for the woman at the beginning beginning like ah! that's really <laughs> not good which yeah. is that was that song return to innocence i'm pretty sure pipe <laughs> in there it's pretty bad could have been it's pretty bad but it only has two notes that's- it has screaming ahs and doo doo yeah, It's hogging literally every violin in the Philadelphia area. <laughs> um, I, but I don't think it is worse than jazz. No, I, I agree. It, it is not. I mean, jazz. It's kind of hilarious instead of stultifying. Yeah. And, and I mean, the one thing it has over jazz being, you know, is that um, jazz, when you go to a jazz club, you're in places that will send you jazz you sort of know but when you walk into a police procedural you're not expecting that yeah so i mean that ha- it has that over is yeah that someone's like in labor yeah that's but true in all other columns i think jazz i mean i think okay. this probably got you in the mood to watch a show like that that was like so overwrought and the whole premise of it is like these people need justice like i, I get that i guess <laughs> right isn't that and what happened isn't that what yes. the show is about <laughs> okay. oh. yeah so yeah, but There's a yes. lot of dewy blinking. Mm-hmm. Totally, I, I would say jazz is worse. All right, Mark. I'm gonna jazz is worse. Yes. All right. I think Let- jazz is marginally worse. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to our next segment, shall we? Yes. Yes. Oh no! Is this worse than jazz? I'm excited about this one because I think this actually stands a reasonable chance of being worse than jazz. I ask you this question. Is American Horror Stories, the Axeman, the guy who kills you for not listening to jazz, worse than jazz? Yes. 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 (laughs) Next. That's the only thing that might be worse than jazz is being forced to listen to... Just knowing it exists... But think this through. No, but listen. But wait. Listen. Forced at Psycho Blade Point to listen to jazz. Right. It's bad enough knowing jazz exists for anyone that people are willingly (laughs) listening to it. That offends me enough as a human. But to imagining myself being put in the position of, no, you have to listen to it or I will straight murder you, that's obviously worse. Okay, well, let's flip that equation around, though. Okay, yeah. Would you rather uh, listen to jazz in distress right, or welcome the icy embrace of death? (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, I I think that there's... I have to qualify my response to that because one of the sub... One of the points of that episode was that he was said every house has to have a jazz band in it. Yeah. Which means that somebody got the 10th tier jazz band. 
just yeah. to try to stay alive. Yeah. Which is distinguishable from the first tier jazz band. <laughs> How exactly? I'm not sure, but I'm guessing Burn. you would know it if you heard it. Well, they got names like Jazzy McCool Cats or something like that. But rather, rather than listen to the like third cousin of the guy who once talked to Dizzy Gillespie play jazz all night, I think I might let, lay my neck on the chopping block myself. Oh, Freezy yeah. Gillespie? Um, yeah. <laughs> Freezy <Frizzy> Gillespie. <laughs> Jizzy Gillespie. <laughs> the only white man in jazz. Oh, oh gross. Mark. <laughs> The oh. blanket ship chair. This yeah. is a turn. We're in a sticky area. Oh, oh God. All right. All right. We're leaving. We're leaving the segment. He doesn't like you. He's grumpy as me. He doesn't like fun. That's plain to say. Time to ask. Will Dave hate this? Probably. Will Dave hate Dig? Here's more information. Dave decided to go into this completely blind. So he is no, doesn't know anything about this other than seeing a link in the doc. I know nothing. The headline, USA orders from last week. USA orders event series from Tim Kring. Uh-oh. And Gideon, I know that name. And Gideon Raff. Uh, oh, okay. See? <laughs> this is what complicates hmm. it. It's uh, The show is called Dig. Uh, the event series part of it tips you to the fact that it's a six-episode affair. Oh, okay. It's an action-adventure series um, from the aforementioned Kring and Raff. Uh and it was also it's based on an Israeli series that already exists, so um, it's coming in 2014. Spielberg's not involved in this, is it? Uh, is it not based no. on the Dig, the video game? No, from, okay. It's uh, Berman or Dig Dug, the video game. Berman Braun, okay. who make a whole bunch of shows. Um, but it's the story of, and I'm quoting here from the Deadline report: Peter, an FBI agent stationed in Jerusalem, who, while investigating a murder of a woman archaeologist, as if there's uncovers a conspiracy 2,000 years in the making that threatens to change the course of history. <laughs> so. Interesting. In favor of Dave liking this show, the Gideon Raff aspect, he's um, one of the, the creators of Prisoners of War, which yep. Homeland was based on. Yep. Prisoners of War, unlike Homeland, was pretty good. Actually, we only watched the first season. It might have fallen off since then. You know why we haven't watched season two? It's on Hulu. We never remember. Um, and the archaeology aspect is of interest to Dave. It is. The fact that it's filming in actual Jerusalem adds a, you know, verisimilitude. Against okay. it. That's a big word. <laughs> against it are, I think Dave will be suspicious that a six episode series, if it does well, is just going to end up being a regular length series a la Under the Dome. Mm-hmm. Who ordered it again? USA. Ah. They've never done a show like this to my knowledge. Uh, wait, no, didn't they do political animals? Oh, yeah, you're right. They did. Ha! And that was but that terrible. Was in- oh. But that was intended to be a longer series. And then they backpedaled and acted uh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it was always supposed to be short. Right. Okay. And Tim Kring is the other bad creator, part, of, creator of heroes. heroes. Yeah. Um, and I think the murder part of it is going to be of less interest to Dave. And the fact that it's a mystery 2000 years in the making, even though he's a, a scholar of biblical uh, history. Uh, I don't know that he would trust Tim Kring to handle this material in a way that Dave will find. Well, let me tell you a story about Tim Kring that highlights maybe that particular point. Uh, I remember reading uh, in Entertainment Weekly. Okay, um, that he was during the season run up or season one run up to Mm -hmm. Heroes going with his writing staff, um, coming up with all his wacky hero ideas. He goes, "Um, "Okay, what about this one, guys? I'm really excited about this one. Okay, there's this guy. 
and he wakes up and he realizes one day his superpower is that he can uh, attract anything that's made out of metal. And then there was like, looks around the room. They're like, uh huh. And then he like he can bend stuff and make you know like make guns fly out of people's hands. And you're talking about Magneto, blank stare. He had no idea that there yeah. was a character called Magneto. He's never read a wow, really superhero, you know, uh, comic or movie or whatever. So yeah. like it's the not fact like at this point in- he, Magneto was that obscure. The movies no. had already been out. I've never read a comic book either. But even before the oh, yeah. X Men movies post-X-Men. came out, I'd heard of Magneto. Um, so he may not be the person to really, um, use the source material properly. You're suggesting that because Tim Kring never read comic books, he's not familiar with the Bible? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Mark, you thought he, Dave, maybe might like this. Please explain. (laughs) Well. Or might not hate this, rather, not might like this. I thought, right. For many of the reasons that have already been articulated, it could lead to a really compelling, surprising, and agreeably brief mystery that gets unraveled. I mean, it could be cool and interesting and involve, like, magic or Christianity or Christian magic. And then, <laughs> in, 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 in a tiny dose, it could be rich enough to be good. But then I thought... It also could be a thing where, like, Jesus comes in as a character. There's, like, <laughs> robo-Jesus or something. And that, like, that becomes... That either becomes a reason that Dave watches it over and over and over again, or that Dave is like, I'm out. Yeah. I'm on the fence. Sarah, you were also on the fence. I am also on the fence because uh, I don't remember Dave's final relationship to Zero Hour, but I seem to remember that it brought inadvertent joy to his life. Oh, that's a good point. In an unintentional hilarity kind of way. Right. Um, it's USA. I think they, as a um, brand, are almost comically ill-suited for doing this kind of material <laughs> yeah. in a way that's not going to be campy and, like, so bad it's good kind of good. Yeah. That said, it could be the kind of bad and so bad it's good that Dave likes. This- USA, USA excels in doing so mediocre I never remember that there's a network called USA. Like everything on that show. It, except it, for the penises and the logo. You remember. That's this. right. Yeah. Except for the fact that the USA <laughs> logo is a guy getting a blowjob from a dolphin. Yes. Trust me. Once you see it, you'll never unsee it. Uh, that is beyond that, days. like really their shows are just like they're, they're all following a similar formula. Maybe this is one that breaks it. But if it isn't, then it's going to be like a perfectly B minus kind of show. That said, you are still watching Dracula. Ah, Your tolerance for shows in the middling to bad range is maybe higher than I am. I am watching Dracula because I am just still amazed purposes, right? That the show is still about basically at at its manipulating the stock market. And they haven't given up that plot point yet yeah and he doesn't kill anybody really yeah like he's killed maybe one or two people this whole series yep but we've all done that okay so (laughs) the dig uh just dig the dig the premise is interesting what's the mystery did they say what the actual mystery just says a mystery two thousand years robo jesus oh a woman is murdered is what kids right so okay so depending on how that cascades it could be interesting depending on how far back it goes if we're dealing with secret societies and all that kind of stuff. Right. And as long as it doesn't, as long as this isn't Da Vinci Code the series, which I kind of got a feeling it might be. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm oh, going to yeah, say. I wrote that in my notes that it could be that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, given the pr- uh, given that it's from uh, Tim Kring, mm-hmm. that's a mark against it. Right. But uh, Gideon Raff. Yeah. Working in Israel. So yeah. So put those guys together. Uh, I kind of feel like we're going to get the worst of both worlds, not the best. Mm-hmm. Um, like we all remember how fun Heroes was in the first season and how quickly yes. it fell off the cliff. But maybe this will yes. only be one season. Yes, maybe. Um, but I am also on the fence. And what is going to tip me that Dave will hate this is that it's on USA. And I don't really think this is um, going to be uh, off formula for them. <laughs> I finally guess one right. <laughs> All right, guys, it's time for a new segment. <laughs> this is Around the Dial, a whenever we need it, quick shots of both stuff we want to talk about on television, but not really for a whole segment. Number one, American Horror Story, The Walking Dead, and other Zombie-filled pop culture entertainment properties. Why can't you call the undead creatures in your universe zombies? Why has society got together and decided that this is something that we must do? Walkers, biters, growlers. <laughs> what are these? Zombies or is this something you, you know, purchase at a bar? <laughs> right? Yeah. Call a zombie a zombie. Excellent. I agree. Okay. Uh, Tara. <laughs> Secret State. Oh, yeah. Secret State uh, just started last week on the Audience Network on DirecTV. Um, it's a very good show. I wrote about it uh, for the site as well. Uh, it stars Gabriel Byrne as a deputy prime minister who, through crazy events, gets promoted to be prime minister uh, in the wake of a horrible catastrophic explosion at an oil refinery somewhere in the north of England. And what's actually going on? Yeah. It's only four episodes in the style of uh, lots of awesome British television. If you've seen State of Play, the original miniseries, it's very so far similar to that. Um, so, yeah, Secret State. Check it out. Sarah. Number three is uh, Fake Bob Haircuts. Uh, I'm seeing it in nonfiction and fiction TV. Joanna in Real Housewives of Miami sported one uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then in the most recent episode of Revenge, Emily Van Camp had her hair rolled under. And like, look, if you want a Bob haircut, just get the goddamn Bob haircut. Yeah, what the Call hell? Call a zombie a zombie. If you do- yes, thank you. <laughs> it's called the Zombob. <laughs> Just do it. But it looks so, I mean, it's so obvious and the rolls are so weird and it makes your head look like a penis head. It's not okay. Stop doing it. Next. DirecTV's Sundance channel almost made me stop watching The Return because the picture was so super muddy. Get HDTV in all your channels or don't bother showing it. Uh, Apparently The Return is a good show, but I couldn't get into the pilot because everything was so brown and gooey and artifacty that it actually turned me off. Figure your shit out, DirecTV. I think that's just France, but... Yeah, yeah, come on, DirecTV. Don't have a differentiator between you and Time Warner that actually makes you look worse. It just makes us look like assholes for being such DirecTV boosters, mostly me. Just finished in Britain, Dave and I flew to England to watch uh, Ambassadors, a three-episode series that stars David Mitchell and Robert Webb of Peep Show and that Mitchell and Webb look. Uh, it's very, uh, it's a great um, British sort of, did I already say dramedy, in the style of uh, 
lots of other shows about bureaucracies like The Thick of It mm-hmm. and um, 2012, which we briefly watched. Once you get over the fact that it's a Mitchell and Webb yes. uh, show. And that they're isn't, not being hilarious. They're not being like super goofy and it's mm-hmm. not a sketch show. Um, it actually settles in. It's really interesting. I really like the setting. A yeah. Lot. What happens is, and I wrote about this in the Secret State post incidentally, but it's uh, Mitchell plays the uh, ambassador to the British uh, to a country called Tazbekistan, which is a fictional Central Asian country that's been run by the same dictator for the last 20 years. And just the kinds of crazy things that come up when you're, uh, you know, (laughs) living and trying to work and sell helicopters to a dictator. And uh, awesomely, if you can hang in through the first episode, Tom Hollander shows up in episode two um, as the as a an also fictional prince who's supposed to come and help the diplomatic mission, and he's a complete asshole. Has a great scene where he's explaining. I always stay at the Four Seasons, and they're like, "There is no Four Seasons here." He's like, "But I always stay at the Four Seasons." Like, there's no Four Seasons in this country. You have to stay in this room. Anyway, it's a very good show. Like I said, only three episodes. You have three hours. Fly to England. Watch the Ambassadors. Shout out to Almost Human for a robot that scans people's balls. <laughs> scans people's balls. Way to go, Almost Human. And lastly, the greatest event. In television history. The third one uh, was on a couple weeks ago when we were on our week off. They This time they redid the credits to Too Close for Comfort um, with John Glazer playing Ted Knight as he was always meant to. And um, what I love about the greatest event in television history is it's so stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's the dumbest idea. If you've never yep. seen any of them, it's on Adult Swim. They, it's just Adam Scott trying to do a shot-for-shot remake of an old TV show's opening credits. The first one they did was Simon and Simon with him and, and John Hamm in the lead title roles. Second one was Heart to Heart with him and Amy Poehler. Uh, this one and so it's like you know two minutes of the credits and then 10 minutes of the making of the credits so it's like all the crazy (laughs) shit that goes into you know in this in the case of too close for comfort the uh if you remember it if you're old enough to remember it the stunt of the ted knight guy falling over the back of the couch um and how dangerous it is and they get lots of comedy nerd people to come in this one had seth morris as the stunt coordinator so it's it's transcendently stupid and that's what I love about it, that it's so committed to its stupidity. Uh, check it out. It's on adultswim.com. That was Around the Dial. All right, it's time for the canon. And Mark, you have brought us something this week. Yes, this week, for the very first time in Extra Hot Great History, I am presenting an episode of Law and Order for the canon. Ooh. And I'm going to be bringing to the table today, uh, um, obviously, a Mothership episode. I say obviously because it's the only Law & Order I've ever really watched. From Season 8, Episode 22, called Damaged. Some of you might know it as the one where Lauren Ambrose plays the retarded girl. So one of the things that is interesting to me as about what I'm about to talk about is the fact that I'm about to, I think, contradict some of the things I said earlier in this podcast about what I like about procedurals, but that's my want and privilege as that's a guest. Bullshit. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I was thinking about when I noticed that there was never been a Law & Order episode presented for the canon, I thought, well, what would be, to me, the one that I think could epitomize why this show was on for 20 years, why I have spent 
81% of my 20s and 30s watching it. That percentage keeps going up if you've been listening carefully. Um, <laughs> and I feel like that this episode really crystallizes what makes the best episodes of Law & Order such wonderful television. And I'm going to be breaking down my arguments into two parts. The first part will be dealing with the case itself, and the second part will be dealing with the flavoring that we get about the personal lives of the detectives. Uh, the first thing that you want in any great Law & Order episode is a case that feels ripped from the headlines in some way and also gives Lenny Briscoe, an indispensable part of any canonical Law & Order episode, the opportunity to be a wise-ass. And this episode gives us that in spades. Uh, the ripped-from-the-headlines style crime starts when a teacher gets shot exiting her New York City public high school. And, of course, that leads to all sorts of hand-wringing about the deteriorating state of American education and American youth. And in the 90s, everybody was worried about that. And then, of course, the, the twists start happening. And that's another thing that you need to make a great Law & Order episode is a case that begins in one place and then goes through six or seven other places before it finally lands in the courtroom. And we find out that the teacher was not the intended target, a classic trope of Law & Order, but that, in fact, through some sort of crazy forensic science, they realized that they, the teacher was hit because there was a firefight going on between groups of children. Oh, my God, even more ripped from the headlines. What's happening? Children are... Nah. And then you find out that there was a girl who was shooting at boys, and it turns out that the boys were part of some sort of sex club. Oh my god, Law and Order loves teen yes, sexuality. The dangers of teen sexuality also. Oh, important. the Mac Rangers. And uh, exactly. And so these boys had been having sex with all these girls and then calling them sluts, and this girl, they think, went around and shot them up for sullying her reputation. And when Lenny Briscoe meets these unsavory boys, he gets to say the following. Hell if I know. Maybe she was on the rag or something. <laughs> <laughs> you make me puke, kid. Ah, <laughs> oh, I mean, Lenny. God bless. Lenny, Jerry Orbach. Briscoe Inferno. <laughs> now and forever, we love you. But then, of course, the important thing is that there's yet another twist. And then you, with this next twist, you start to see what the episode is, quote, really about. All of that stuff about... School violence was really just throat clearing. Um, when they finally confront the young girl who shot up the school, she, they they keep assuming that she was having sex with these boys, and they keep pressing her to admit it. And finally, she says this. I didn't have sex with them. They raped my sister. Well, Sally, why, why didn't you tell anyone? Why grab a gun to settle the score? I told Mrs. Davenport. She didn't do anything. Oh my god, and like, with you can actually feel the abyss of the moral quagmire just opening up in front of you, and if it's the first time that you're watching the episode, maybe you're thinking, what, what, what? There's the teachers letting people rape people, or who's, and there's a sister, and what's going on, and you've already met Lauren Ambrose, uh, earlier in the episode at this point. So you know that she's involved. And if you're watching the show after Lauren Ambrose became famous, you're like, oh, okay, so she's probably involved. So you get all of the things that make Law & Order really fun. And then the writing continues on to... Uh, the, the writing continues to deepen and add complexity to the case because then we find out that 
Lauren Ambrose's character is uh, mentally retarded, that she probably, and that she did in fact have sex with these boys, but the big question becomes, can a person who is retarded give consent to have sex? And then ultimately, uh, McCoy successfully uses one of his tactics in the courtroom to say, yes, yes, these this girl was raped, and you know why? Because these boys wouldn't talk about it with their friends, or they, they sort of hid the, their story because they felt shame. And it, that's the jangle of spurs as Jack McCoy climbs up on his high horse. And that's another essential part of any Law & Order episode, where Jack gets to stand in front of the court and articulate the grand moral element of the episode. And in, honestly, if that, would be, if that was where the episode ended, it would actually still be a pretty good episode. But it doesn't end there. And this is where I start to think that this episode becomes canon-worthy. Because after the jury comes back agreeing with Jack and puts forward a verdict of guilty for all of these teenage boys, this is what happens when the judge responds. Any motions, Mr. Painter? Excuse me, Your Honor. Does the defense wish to make a motion? CPL 290.10, the defense moves to set aside the jury's verdict. Objection, the prosecution proved its case. What case, Mr. McCoy? Have we gone so far down the road of political correctness that sex between willing partners is now called rape? The girl said yes. She has the mind of a child. Well, she's mature enough to be plenty intrigued by her own sexuality. Face it, Counselor. She had the time of her life. Case dismissed. Oh, so gross. And the thing that's important to know about this episode is that by the time we hear the judge say that nauseating thing about her having the time of her life, Valerie, which is the name of the Lauren Ambrose's character, has already been on the stand describing what these boys did to her. And it includes laughing as they take off her clothes, laughing at her, putting a bottle inside her. So we have definitely been conditioned to see what happened as rape. And, <clears throat> pardon me, that clip is clearly designed to make us horrified at the idea of Judge Wright, is his name, his argument that she had consensual sex. And he is revolting. I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, it's really revolting. So that makes Jack insane. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet. And I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad. So let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film and you can join me free for 30 days. 
Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now. And so he pushes to get the boys finally to confess that they did know that she was retarded when they slept with her. So they definitely are rapists. And then they bring it back to the judge and Jack says, no, I proved it. And the judge is like, no, Valerie wanted it. She gave consent. And that, oh, so gross. But then the show does something that I think is remarkably surprising and morally complicated. Because finally, when they get back into the... Uh, the DA's office, Jack is meeting with Valerie and her father to talk about how they're going to keep pushing this and keep making sure that those boys get sent to prison. And Valerie all along has been saying, no, I wanted to have sex. But again, it was because she was considered mentally uh, incapable of standing trial or, or giving consent, no one was really listening to her. But then when Valerie finds out that they're going to keep insisting that she was raped, Valerie says this. I don't want to be what they call me in school. The retard who got raped. I had sex because I wanted to. And if you have not seen this episode, this is a wonderful performance from Lauren Ambrose because she is really like, it's just heartbreaking. The things that she does with her face and body to indicate the struggle to to comprehend and express these really strong feelings that she's having, it's really powerful. And in this scene especially... It underscores that no matter what we might think about her mental capacity, she is a person with feelings. And what happens next is that her father says, no, we're going to drop this. She wasn't raped because she needs to have the dignity of someone who wanted to have sex. And it is so fascinating to me that the, the show sets up this entire structure to make you believe and accept that this girl was raped and to rail against the system that will not allow her to be a rape victim and then brings in the person who loves her the most with an argument about her dignity as a way of dismissing the very charge that we've been led to believe is right. And I just think that that kind of moral complexity is fascinating because you're left in a position where you can or cannot agree with either side, but you're ultimately seeing that two people have reached the same conclusion, dismissed the charges for very different reasons. And it leaves you, you have to ask yourself questions about your own ethics and morals about this issue. And not only about rape, but about the ability of uh, a mentally retarded person to have a personhood. It's a huge amount of things. And all of that sprang from the question of a girl shooting up a school and it just you you just can you never could predict when that episode starts that this is the place it's going but then simultaneously the episode also has this subplot about lenny briscoe and the fact that his daughter is uh testifying against a drug dealer that she helped run drugs for and is trying to send him to prison and something goes wrong and like the case gets thrown out and she has to go back out onto the street and the drug dealers on the street. And Lenny's like, Oh, I'm going to protect you. You're my little girl. And then you find out that Lenny's daughter feels like this. Don't you get it, dad? My life is over. 
I'm not going to be able to get a job. I'm always going to be known as the meth addict nurse who stole drugs for her dope dealer boyfriend. Why don't you come and stay with me for a while till you get back on your feet, huh? Dad, please. Did you hear what I just said? Honey, people make mistakes and start over all the time. I did. Thanks, but right now, I feel like you made a mistake having me in the first place. And I have to say that these scenes are so well written that even if you don't watch the series regularly and haven't seen the other stuff in season eight that both precedes and comes after this episode, the these scenes still make a difference, I think, emotionally to the experience of the episode. And then finally, at the very end of the episode, after the whole thing with Valerie has been dismissed, uh, Lenny finds out that his daughter has in fact been shot to death so that she cannot testify again. And this is the very last thing that we hear in the episode as he's looking at her body. She was my baby, Ray. What am I going to do? Come home with me, partner. And obviously that would be powerful or at least interesting in any episode. But what I love the most about the use of the personal lives of the detectives subplot in this episode is that it so nicely parallels what happens in the primary case because at the end of this episode we are left with a father and daughter who chose to avoid the process of law and have rape charges dismissed and arguably ending in a place where they at least have each other and at least have some sense of dignity contrasted with Lenny, who kept trying to encourage his daughter to stay in the system of justice and do, quote, the right thing, now being a grieving father who has no daughter left at all. And the fact that these two father-daughter crises are put right next to one another and, in a way, comment on the role that we should allow uh, the system to impact our relationship with our children, I think it makes it incredibly powerful. And I think that not, I honestly can't think of any other Law & Order episode off the top of my head that is so elegantly constructed, um, at least with regard to the interweaving of the personal and the procedural. And I think that because you get the wisecrack, the famous guest star, the complicated case, the surprise reveal, the interesting info about the, the team, but you also get this uniquely elegant dramatic structure, this episode of Law & Order deserves to be in the canon. Interesting case, Mark. Um, this, I love this episode. I think this is the third and final Lauren Ambrose-ode. It is. Not counting later SVU uh, travails. And it's got really a lot of classic elements, including some of the like below-the-line guest stars. Like when we heard the attorney making the motion, uh, that of course is Clohesse. Uh, classic like Law & Order, Oz, Homicide veteran i think he was also in kidnapped um it has mccoy getting uh so apoplectic that his turkey waddle shakes uh it's got the briscoe wise assery line um i believe this is also a carrie lowell episode i was yes. the one who actually really liked her and thought she was a nice zingy uh bitch was not a huge claire fan and um i know everyone kind of complained about carrie lowell coming in i liked her um I wish there had been less fighting with Neil about the custody <laughs> arrangements and more. And Katie's um, Katie. Yeah. Oh, Katie. Me. I mean, yeah, whatever. I thought she was awesome. And it's too bad that she couldn't stay longer, especially since I believe she was replaced by uh, that log, um, Elizabeth Rome. No, she was replaced by Angie Harmon. Oh, 
Right. Oh, she was before Angie room. Harmon? That's that. Yeah. I remember being yeah. totally in the she, wrong order. She was between Kincaid and Harmon. That's totally right. Yeah. Um, I actually don't. I don't love the. I do think they do a good job with the parallel plots. I think they do a good job paralleling them. I think Briscoe Jr. is kind of a wet end. And I don't like she that. She really sort of, looks like him, though, for not being related. Yeah. That was good. Ca- good like, weirdly, related his character. actual kid showed up several times as like one of those, this just came in for you cops. Yeah. He was a CSU you know? uh, guy, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. I mean, sometimes. Yeah. I think he was supposed to be a detective and his um, he was Lenny's nephew, but I don't think oh, yeah. he's related to the actress playing his daughter. No, he's not. Um, but like that just sort of, that plot just sort of kept coming back up periodically in a way that I thought was just kind of annoying and not interesting to me. But um, I mean, Orbach plays it like a pro and it's nice to have an episode where he's not talking about how he has ties older than Ray, although... I do enjoy those wisecracks about how Ray kind of sucks because in the beginning Ray kind of does. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is a great episode and it has like, if we did a show omatic on the site um, <clears throat> about the mothership, uh, this would be like almost 95% or a hundred percent pure uncut mothership. <laughs> Black star. Exactly. Tara, any thoughts? Um, shout All out to thoughts? Ron McClarty, who played the judge and has the biggest, weirdest head in show business. <laughs> he does. really does have this huge. He's like an Easter Island statue. You're right. <laughs> His head, it's like the Great Gazoo's helmet. Like, it's so big. <laughs> Go back and look at this episode because it's on Netflix. It is crazy how weird this guy's head is. He's a very good actor, but it's it's really <laughs> impossible not to comment on. I'm sorry. That's very superficial. Um, Mark, I agree that the main case is extremely compelling, and I I like the way they complicate the matter of of consent and what it means to give it, and and all the stuff that you talked about. I I think that's the best of the episode, and um, this also is Sam Waterston in his best. Uh, that she has the mind of a child. I feel like has must have been in some kind of Law and Order promo because I know I've heard it many times more than I've seen this episode. But that said, I can't in good conscience vote in an episode <gasps> from season eight because that was the season they were trying to do all the stuff with people's personal lives. And I hated it. Hated it. I, I, <gasps> I remember this one as, as this whole this season as being marred by that decision. And this episode is especially bad with it. I mean, Neil, you know, so and so proposed last night. Like there is so <clears throat> awkward every time they're, t- they're they obviously got a note that was like, no, we need to know more yeah. about. Yeah who these people really mm-hmm. are at home. Like, no, we don't. We really don't. We haven't and needed Ray, it for the I last seven still, seasons. was still like separated. Was Ray still separated yeah, from his that's wife? Why he has his, that, like, yeah, right. that's why he has that business with, with Van Buren at the beginning where he's like, I need you to move me. Like, quit cutting over to Briscoe's daughter's trial. That's not what I'm here for. This is law and order. I want... I, I, don't I want law and order. I want order. I, wa- I want you to prosecute these rapists, especially the one that was on feelings. Seventh Heaven and the one that was named Roscoe. Roscoe. Oh, God, the Seventh Heaven one. He was everywhere for a Lavornia. while. Apologetic little mustache. What about bed that bugs? Guy? Yeah. Roscoe will <laughs> set him out for you. Roscoe the bed bug dog. So I like three quarters of this episode, but all the the personal life stuff makes makes it impossible for me to vote for it. Mark, I'm so sorry. 
Uh, yeah. What of the elegant structure, Tara? What of the elegant structure? I feel like that was an accident. I, I think- don't think that that was even <laughs> intentional. And the fact that the episode was co-written by Dick Wolf makes me even more suspicious. I about think how that actually came. If to this be. episode did have the Briscoe story, Briscoe daughter storyline excised from it, it would have been all the stronger for it. For exactly the reason you say is that, um, as far as the classic satisfying law and order template goes, this is an abomination of that. This yes. is you know something. This is a failed experiment. You know, and because th- they dropped it after this, exactly, and with good reason because it yes. stops the episode every time you go through it. I mean, yes. I'm not interested in that. It's a it's a less compelling storyline. It um, muddies the waters. I think of these like super cop detective people. You know what I mean? Like the way that you approach them. Um, not to say that you need robot detectives, but I'm just saying it's not really what they're there for and it's not what um, the show needs out of them. The main case is fabulous. If we can excise from that, I would probably say yes, this definitely, without a doubt, should go into the canon because it's a strong performance by Ambrose for sure. And Mark, you're right down the money when you say like just the acting she does with her face alone. It's very uh, subtle, but it's, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's subtle, but it's. I mean, effective. it's not as showy as I've seen in other performances. It's not Rain Man. No, it's not Simple Jack. It's, it's it not, feels true. It's not the other sister. No, <laughs> it's not like normal people. We can't take um, care of each other. But uh, that is Bugs Bunny. So having the sim- similar argument against it for, as Tara, I would also say uh, that Law and Order, its nature is like to me anyways, always has been sort of that comfort show, that uh, taking it easy show. Like, I don't know if I would ever even like, if this is the closest Law and Order gets to the canon, I feel like I'm fine with that. And I don't really feel bad about saying no to it, only because I think Law and Order is just sort of that um, a little better than average comfort you know, kind of like it's pretty good mac and cheese, but it's not that kind of mac and cheese where they put those nice breadcrumbs and stuff on it. But you know what? I'm going to eat it because it still tastes good. I mean, that's law and order to me. I don't like macaroni and cheese with breadcrumbs. And I would say there are lots of episodes from earlier and after this season that would be canon worthy mm. from my perspective. Yeah, there are there are great ones. The last the last um, Moriarty episode oh, Moriarty, Olivia. Mm-hmm. is fucking amazing. Like okay, the I'll one where the one with Alice and Janney. It's incredible. Yeah. Like there are a lot of really good okay. episodes. But for me, like what makes law and order so good is that is what was is the formula that was never that had never been unchanged prior to and and after the season yeah. and the fact that we have to ask like was this the part where Ray was blah 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 like that's yeah. not that's not what Law and Order is supposed to be we shouldn't it shouldn't matter what happened in well, any there, other episode the, you should be able to marathon the show in any order yeah so the tragedy is that this episode is that it was the the right story in the wrong season mm-hmm. yeah not that it matters, but I would say that as someone who tends to watch them like straight in a row, yeah, um, that even it, it's like when Graham Chase tells Patty that the zit she had in high school was like the you know thorn on the one you know the single perfect yes rose. the single perfect <laughs> rose exactly like there's something about this particularly like um, clunky way of trying to make this more of like um whatever copy something that they're trying to get personal lives in there that like for me as part of like the long arc warp and weft um sans through the hourglass (laughs) etc arc of the show like in a meta way even though it's bad i find it 
typical. Like, I, I think that this, I don't think that that speaks to, I mean, it's it's not good, but A, a lot of typical Law & Order episodes aren't that good, Zunza. Yes, yes. And B, I think that in terms of arguing that the canon is also for typical episodes as well as great head and shoulders above quality episodes, I would say that of this era, it's typical. Um, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Well, of this era, sure, but this but I, era is I mean, I would vote you know. yes, even though that stuff is bad, because it's familiar. It's familiar you know, I, bad. I wonder in a, in a long-running show like Law & Order, where, you know, where did it go? How many seasons? Like, like 20, a dozen. 20, 20 or right? seasons. Yeah. So you got a 20-season uh, show to deal with. Yeah. And as your ratings will naturally slide... And you become susceptible to the other forces at work on TV. Like, I'm just curious, what were the other shows that probably the network pointed to at around this time or say a year before this? In 98? Like, what were the other big cop The shows? practice CS- was Yeah, CSI then. wasn't around then yet. Relativity. Yeah, so I'm just, it just like, you know, it would just be interesting. NYPD Blue, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. where they say like, okay, here's this show. Look what yeah. they're doing. Let's, That's oh, probably let's infuse some of their DNA in there, right? Yeah, that would have been NYPD Blue, yeah, no, for yeah. sure. Because so that was the one that was getting all the attention for being so daring. And so, it, yeah, you know, that, like the that, Joe, that was a network Dennis misstep Brown's and it was, plots. you know, a misstep by the Law & Order team probably to, you know, not put their foot down on it and stick to the formula. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, But I think we have our votes, but shall we make it official? Yeah. Sure. Sarah, you said yes. Yay. Tara? This was definitely the best episode of this season, but uh, my feelings about the season have been stated. So, uh, Mark, I love you, but I have to vote no. Uh, Mark, I like you, but I'm going to vote no. Too. <laughs> oh. No, I love you, Mark. <laughs> Yay. Season eight, episode 22, Damages. I'm sorry. Damaged. you. Oh, yeah. Damage. You are not in the extra hot green cannon. Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for winner and a loser of the week. And Mark, you have our winner. Yes, this week's winner is the apparently indestructible, and as previously mentioned, primarily watched by me, crime drama, The Killing. After (laughs) its first two, as previously stated, internet-enraging seasons, it was canceled by AMC, only to be renewed for a less reviled third cycle earlier this year. Ratings were still low, however, so AMC axed it again. But now, Netflix is bringing the show back next year for six more episodes. Upon hearing the news of this second resurrection, Jesus Christ said, nobody likes a (laughs) show-off. Season 5 coming to to your local uh, theater troupe. uh, And I am the winner for getting to see in person Mark's grand Walter Winchell hand gestures accompanying that. I served you full (laughs) 6 o'clock evening news. Yes, that was 1940s newsreel realness. And our loser of the week. Loser of the week, this is also from our lost week, but the X Factor um, screwed up and showed the wrong phone numbers for all of or some or or <laughs> most of their performers. Uh, this was not last week, but the week before. And so then they had to do a hasty uh, fix them up episode the next night, I guess, with people rehearsing songs they barely knew. And it was a shit show. So in addition <laughs> to this huge gaffe. Um, they're also going to have to head off competition from yet another singing show. ABC is getting into the singing show game with something called Rising Star, which is a format from overseas, maybe Israel. Uh, so yeah, good luck, probably. The X Factor. <laughs> um, I've never watched one second of you, but now I'm certainly not inclined to after this. 
Guys, do you know what time it is? <gasps> it's game time. Alright everybody, it is the first game time of this new season Tara took last season. Congratulations, Tara. Today's game is called Witness Protection Program. And it comes from repeat game time offender, Rob Hartman, who earns himself an extra credit or time served. Okay. Is it based on an Israeli game? (laughs) No. District Attorney Alex Cabot from Law & Order SVU went into the Witness Protection Program. (laughs) What if all Law & Order actors went into the Witness Protection Program? Oh, shit. As their characters on other shows. I will give you a clue to the new identity, their character on another show. Yep. The players, that's you three guys, have to name one, the Law and Order actor or character. I'm going to give you, let you do either. Sure. Because, you know. I think we all know the actor's names, yeah. but that's fine. Uh, in question. Okay. So the Law and Order actor in question. And two, the show they went into hiding on based <laughs> on the clue. In some cases, the new identity was a show prior to the appearance on Law & Order, in which case the clue will indicate that. Got it. Okay. Question. Can I ask a question? Yes. Is this Law & Order mothership Everything. only, or is it all Law & Order series? Universe. Whole franchise. Oh, yes. God. Two points <laughs> for getting both. <laughs> two points for getting both parts correct, yep. but you can ask me to give you the uh, answer to the other show. You can get the other show. Oh, okay. In which case, you can name the actor character for one point. For one point. All right? Okay. Got it. Here's an example. I became state's attorney for Cook County, Illinois, but I got involved with a prostitute and had to resign. <laughs> the wow. character actor? Chris Noth. Yeah. My, uh, detective on, Mike Logan. On The Good Wife. That's right. Yep. So oh, that's how I this see. game is played. We have 42 <sighs> questions, and now we're going to find out who goes first. Picky. What do you 42? Yep. <laughs> we will start with valued guest. Valued guest. <laughs> All right, Mark, that's you, by the way. You're our valued guest. Are we ready to play Witness Protection Program? Yes. Before we do, I'd like to make one point. Let's not forget who the first ever guest was to win an extra hot grade, grand, <laughs> extra hot grade game time. Was it you? It was me. Oh. That's when I, that's when I won the burlesque tank top. Oh, um, yes. Right, of course. Having just won my first game time last time. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I'm just saying, y'all should be scared. But Sarah, you watch all of the Law and Order is is and Mark doesn't. Yeah, that's true. But remember what happened when you made a game that was sportsy? <laughs> Still didn't win. <laughs> Let's get on with it. Okay. Here we go. Mark. Yes. I went undercover as the vice president of the United States, but was killed. Damn that pacemaker. I need the um, actor. The show in- is Homeland. Yep. And the actor is that old white dude. <laughs> old white dude. <laughs> but you did get one point for Homeland. He played Ooh. Vice President William Walden on Homeland. And his name is Jamie Sheridan. That's right. Captain James Deacon on Law and Order. Rocking the eye patch. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sarah. Yes. I went undercover as the manager of the Blackfoot Casino in Utah. 
The Blackfoot Casino in Utah? Yes. Remember, you uh, I would like a hint. hint. Okay, your hint is I played I am Tommy Flute on Big Love. Tommy Flute on Big Love? Uh, Adam Beach. One point. <laughs> oh, that was Detective Chester Lake from SVU. Yeah, Chester. Yes. Who actually, I think is in witness protection. <laughs> yes. I went undercover as the first lady. My husband is going to have surgery. Oh, any day now. Undercover as the first lady. Husband's going to have surgery. Show. I am the first lady in hostages. Oh. Um. I I don't know. I do. God damn it. Sarah. It's Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, who was the captain on Criminal Intent for like 10 minutes. Correct. That is correct. Okay, Mark. Broadway. I went to work for the FBI in Los Angeles, where I blacked out and saw six months into the future. The future. <laughs> uh, this is Maine? Yeah. yeah. Could you repeat the question? I went to work for the FBI in Los Angeles, where I blacked mm. out and saw six months into the future. The future. The show is Flash Forward. Correct. And the actor is... Skeet Ulrich? Mm. <laughs> you get one point. The actor Courtney B. Vance played ADA Ron Carver oh, in, yeah. in Criminal Intent. Oh, sure. Sarah. He's also a pretty memorable perp. Yes. Yep. I went undercover working for the Coast Guard Investigative Service. What? Why the hell would I do that? Um, <laughs> Coast Guard Investigative Investigative Service. Gosh, I will need the, sh- the show name and the shame. Uh, I am now Special Agent Abigail Boren on NCIS. God damn it. I don't know. I am Diane Neal, ADA Casey Novak from SVU and Trial by Jury. Oh. All right. She was blonde, right? Redhead. I traveled back. I traveled back in time to go undercover as the first woman to be incarcerated at a men's prison. I traveled uh, back in time is the hint. Okay. That is from a show prior. Okay. Show? I played Shirley on Oz. Shirley oh, Bellinger. Um, Catherine Irby? One point. Detective Alexandra Ames on order CI. Right. Mark... Yes. I adopted a new identity as a Broadway theater producer. Everyone around me kept bursting into song. Okay. The show is Smash. Character or actor? Michael Christopher? The show is Smash. Scott Nichols on Smash. The actor is Jesse L. Martin. Oh, damn it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's what? sad. This one. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize to anyone. I've, Adam Grossworth, do not tweet me about how I missed this. Yeah. No day but today. Sarah, I traveled back yes. in time 
to go undercover as an Irish American murderer in a men's prison. Ooh, in a men's prison. <laughs> an Irish American murderer in a men's prison. Ooh, all the men. Oh my God, Pretty sure. Really not going to narrow it down, the but I feel show. like the show is Oz. Thank you. And the actor could really have been any of them, but let's yeah. go with Dean Winters. Brian Cassidy. Nice. Two points. Whoa. Making a comeback. He was Detective Brian Cassidy on SVU. Tara. Yes. I went undercover as the leader of the Vampire Authority in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Um, mm, uh, Well, the show's True Blood. Is it Dennis O'Hare? I am Christopher Maloney. Oh, I am taking it personally. (laughs) Mark, I traveled back in time to be a mail carrier delivering to a very odd house. (laughs) Why, that was my beloved Esapatha Merkerson on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Two points, Sarah. I went undercover as the mother of a college student in an exclusive California zip code. The mother of a college student in an exclusive California zip code. <sighs> Show. Uh, 90210. Reboot. Mm. No, oh, reboot. Oh, reboot? It would have to be, wouldn't it? Yes. Uh, I don't know. Michelle Hurd, Detective Monique Jeffries, SVU. Oh, her. Oh, sure. All okay. right. Uh, Tatara. Yeah. I traveled back in time to marry a redhead criminal investigator in Miami and got shot for my trouble. <laughs> um, redhead. Show? Uh, really? CSI Miami. <laughs> How is that going back in time? I traveled back in time. She was on this before. I, as I said before, I traveled back in time is the hint that right. this appearance was before their appearance in Law and Order. Oh. That's what you get for not paying attention. I was paying attention. We <laughs> are fucking up, folks. God. I don't know. That was Alana Della Gar- oh, uh, Garza. Alana oh, Della Garza. Garza. I'm glad she's crossed anyway. off the list. All right. Mark. <clears throat> I went back in time to the 60s when my actress daughter married an ad man. Okay, so I'm assuming that the show is Mad Men. So this was a person who was on Law & Order after playing Betty's dad. Oh, God. I don't know. Betty's dead. <laughs> ah, uh, she was Marie Calvet on uh, Mad Men. That's Julia Armand. Armand. Oh. Julia Armand was on Law and Order? Police Actress, psychologist Paula, uh, Paula something, Geisen uh-huh. on Law and Order CI. Okay. Uh, yeah. Tara, no, uh, I'm going to make an executive decision and make this a 30 point, uh, 30 question game. This is, this no. is for Sarah. Oh, sorry, Sarah. Okay. We're doing that good, huh? No, it's just taking a while, that's all. Well, we're taking a week off. All right. Very well. Here we go. I disguise myself as a piece of talking candy. (laughs) Now, wait. This refers to an advertisement, not a TV show. 
an ad on TV. I disguise myself as a piece of talking a candy. Piece of t Oh! I just got What? Oh, 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 um. Do, okay. do I have to say which M&M it is? No, just, just, <laughs> just. Okay. I'm an M&M. An M &M. I think I'm actually yellow. Yes. Um, yes. And I am, uh, oh God, why can't I think of his name? You he can say the, the character name. Character or actor. Yeah, you can I, say the character. But I'm blanking. All I can think of is Vern Schillinger. Uh, which is not his character on Law and Order. Why can't I? But who played him? Now Vern he's Schillinger? On, I know he's on the Farmers Ads. What dun, was dun, his character? <laughs> Help me! I can't remember his name. Lauren Ambrose says it in the Law and Order that we were just watched for the canon. It's important to look people in the eye and say their name when you get to meet them. <laughs> Person in the Farmers <laughs> Ads. If I was, if I was <laughs> texting you that I was just kidding. <laughs> And I would, instead of typing out just kidding, I would just type AK. <laughs> Rowling? Simmons. Simmons. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Skoda. Dr. Emil Skoda. Skoda. <laughs> Sorry, dude. All right. Tara. <laughs> yeah. I disguise myself as a talking, singing French candle who has appeared on TV as well as in a movie. So it counts. Jerry Orbach? Um... Beauty and the Beast. Also appeared on the House of Mouse on the Disney Channel. Sure. Wow. All right. As you do. This is one third into our very long game. Our <laughs> mega sized yeah. podcast. We are taking next week off for Thanksgiving. So enjoy the long show. Maybe uh, split it. Maybe uh, stop right now and listen to the rest of game time next week. <laughs> Sarah and I are tied with four points each. Mark has six. All right. Good Ooh, game so far. Shit. Thanks, Esopefa. <laughs> okay, Mark. Yes. I went back in time a bit to work as a litigator in a Boston law firm. Well, Boston legal. And, oh. Actor or the character? Tamara Tooney. <laughs> Saffron though. Burroughs. Detective hey. Serena Stevens from uh, CI. CI. So oh, I got yeah. one point. You got Correct. one point. All right, number 17. Pretty good. For Sarah. <laughs> I went undercover as a wife in a family of Irish American cops in New York City. Oh, damn. As a family of Irish American cops in New York City, I think the show is Blue Bloods. Um, and the wife, uh, I thought she was only on third watch. Her name is Regan. <laughs> no. <laughs> Character is Amy. Oh, sorry. The actor is Amy Car Carson. Carlson. Yes, you're right. Mm -hmm. ADA Kelly Gaffney. He was on trial by jury. That was a tough one. Whoa. Okay. Well, well done really for getting one point on that TBJ. one. Now we're over to I was Tara. thinking of the right character though. Yes. I went away. I went away undercover as a spaceship fighter pilot in a ragtag fleet searching for Earth. Okay. Um, Battlestar Galactica, the show, and what's the first part? What was your role? You played a a, a ragtag fighter pilot. Oh no, a spaceship fighter pilot in a ragtag fleet. Um. Katie Sackhoff. You're going to hate yourself when you hear the answer. Oh, Leah Dobbins! Mm -hmm. the British one! Law and Order UK, Jamie, oh, Jamie Bamber. Bamber. 
played Matt. Fuck. Fuck yeah. Britain. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> to Mark. I began working with the CIA investigating evolved humans and dated a man whose daughter was a superhuman cheerleader. Well, the show is Heroes. You dated a man whose daughter. So who dated Glasses? What's I his began name? working with the CIA investigating evolved humans and dated a man whose daughter was a superhuman cheerleader. Uh, it isn't a... With the mush mouth. What's her name? Um, <laughs> Clea Duvall? <laughs> here's here's the answer. Heroes. Is this because I'm a lesbian? Oh. <gasps> she was on Heroes? Apparently. Huh. That's that Elizabeth was after Rome. I stopped watching Thank Heroes. God I'd stop watching by then. Elizabeth <laughs> Rome. Okay, Sarah. I went yeah. back in time to the 1980s to be an editor at Interview Magazine and a mentor to a budding writer. Oh, cute. Um, Carrie Diaries is the show. Uh... Uh, actor fr- or character? Mm. I think Dave will take anything close to the pronunciation problem. Ooh, I think Tara's giving you free free clues here. No, no, I I know who it is. I'm just there's a jumble of syllables. Well, <laughs> sounded out in my head. Fre- fre- Freya, 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 Agumon. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Thank you. Correct. She plays uh, Alicia Phillips on Law and Order UK. Okay. Whoa. Tara. Yep. I went undercover as a werewolf in a small Virginia town. Virginia? Virginia? Werewolf. Werewolf on TV. (laughs) Town? (laughs) Small? (laughs) (laughs) It's like there's two shows it could be if it's not True Blood. Is it Teen Wolf? Nope. Wait. Whoa. Mm. Damn it. (laughs) Sorry. Is it Wolf Lake? No. Then I don't know. Uh, he was Wolf Lake. Uh, she was Jules on the Vampire Diaries. Oh, and uh, played ADA Kim uh, Greylock. All right, on SVU. Okay, never would have got that. I I'll, I've spent this whole time thinking Vampire Diaries was in Georgia. By the way, Mark. Yes, I went undercover as the father of a young doctor at a Seattle hospital. Well, the show is Grey's Anatomy. Uno point. Oh, I'll guess. <laughs> Mo. Ice tea. <laughs> George Dunza. Oh, oh. well, yeah. good. Yeah, from yeah, good old him. mothership. All right. All right. Sarah. Yes, nice dead. Yes. I went undercover at a horse track working as Dustin Hoffman's driver. All right, well, the show is Luck. And Dustin Hoffman's driver on this show that I never watched was... This person was also in the Law and Order universe. Probably played by Paul Sorvino. Oh. The late the right track. Dennis Farina. Oh. Yeah, Big Denny. Tara, yep. I went back in time a bit to go undercover as a mafia mistress, but I hanged myself. Um... Uh, the show's is the Sopranos. Annabella Shiora. Woo! Dos points. Yeah. Mark. Logan's partner. Mm-hmm. 
I'm undercover as a stay-at-home dad married to a former Cosby kid. This is me? Yep. yep. Oh, 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 it's Anthony Anderson. And That's it's... Uh, Played Detective Kevin Bernard on Mothership. If I get... Can I get pretty close? Can I have two stabs at the title? <laughs> no. It's like guys with kids, men yeah, with kids. He said it. Well, I need the answer. Oh. Guys with kids. Dos points. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, Sarah, I traveled back in time to be an assistant U.S. attorney in Atlantic City during Prohibition. Oh, uh, Julianne Nicholson on Boardwalk Empire. Uh, correct. Yes. Oh, Nicely two done. Points. Thank that you. So authoritative, I didn't have time to look up the clue. <laughs> I just left a comment you about sure did. that on the site today. Yep. I think we're tied. Tara, nope. I traveled back in time to work as a psychiatrist in Boston. Back in time, Tara. Yep. Work as a... Psychiatrist. Oh, so, uh, sorry, psychiatrist in Boston. That's what you said. Oh, okay. Psychiatrist in Boston. Yep. Show? Oh, Lulubaba! Don't tell me that. The show is uh, Cheers, and the person is B.B. Newer. Nice. points. Wow, you were so close to... All right. close. Mark. Yes. I get the sense this is a close game. I became a forensic pathologist solving crimes as a medical examiner in Boston. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know you did, Jill Hennessy on Crossing Jordan. Blair yeah. nice. Kincaid, Mothership. How many points do I have? I can't even keep track. And we're almost 13. at a score break. Don't worry about it. Okay. Sarah. Yep. I went undercover as a therapist for a man who was living in two realities. Realities, two realities, two realities. <laughs> oh, crap. A man who was living in two realities. Two realities, two realities. <laughs> Can you give me the name of the show, please? The Mark show Coast is Smith. Awake, and he played Dr. John Lee. Maybe a clue. And it is a clue. But yeah. There may be oh. a little more clue in that clue. Yep. Yeah, there might be some clue in that clue. Is it Dr. George Huang <laughs> from SVU? Hey. That is correct oh, for one it. point. Okay, Tara. Yes. This will mark our two thirds of the way done. After this, we'll go for a score break and Mark will find out what the score is. Yep. <laughs> I became a fertility specialist at Seaside Wellness Center in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, uh, the show is Private Practice. Who on that show was also in the Law and Order universe? Not Audra McDonald. Not Kate Walsh. Not Tate. Uh, I need an answer. Amy Brenneman. It's a terrible answer. Benjamin Bratt. Oh, what? Practice. All right. Dr. Jake Riley. We'll have to character. take your word for it. That's bullshit. Score break, please, Tara. Oh, it is a close one, Dave. You were right. I have 10 <laughs> points. Sarah has 11 points. Mark has 13 points. Oh, okay. Let's get him. <laughs> oh, he's learning on his own. <laughs> Here we go for Mark. I went undercover as a therapist for a therapist. Diane Wiest in Oops. treatment. 
Yes, in treatment was correct. That is two points. Nice. Based on an Israeli show. Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. All right, Sarah. Mm-hmm. I went undercover as an administrator for the Baltimore State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. <laughs> insane. <laughs> insane. <laughs> oh, you know this one, Sarah. Oh, my God. Do I know? Yeah, the you show's do. Hannibal. Yep. And the it's administrator. Uh, Raul Esparza. Dos points. Si. <clears throat> Muy <I'm> good. The... <laughs> Which Wait, one was he on? He uh, was. He's, on he's currently on SVU. Oh. Yes, he is ADA. Barba. Rafael Barba. <laughs> Chipotle after. Okay. <laughs> um, Jesus. <laughs> is that racist? Uh... <laughs> Were you serious about going Chipotle? Because no. I could eat Chipotle. No, that's probably oh. why it's racist because it wasn't serious. Oh. Um, because I hate Mexican. Franco. <laughs> yes. Get I went undercover as an interim director of the counter terrorist unit in Los Angeles yep. for part of a single day. Okay. The show is 24. <sighs> After I fucking a wasn't on that show. Uh, uh, let's director. Probably. Carl Reiner probably. Oh, I don't. I'm never gonna get it. I don't know. I think it's been mentioned before. Tamara Tooney. Oh, oh. Tamara I am correct. I never would have gotten. It. All right, Mark. Mark. Yes. I traveled back in time a bit to hang out in L.A. with my sister, who I am disturbingly close with. <laughs> huh. Sarah knows there's this an one. Incest show on TV. Oh, there's lots. You just got to get it on the right channel. <laughs> it's on, it's on Amazon. I don't have time. It's Hallmark. <laughs> uh, what is the show? The show is Six Feet Under. Oh my God. <laughs> Are you disgusted by the show or by the implied incest? <laughs> no, I'm disgusted by the fact that I didn't get that. Oh. Uh, <sighs> Actor but, or character, please? Uh, Peter Krause? Oh, no. Uh, Sarah? No, 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 no. Billy, Billy. (laughs) No, Billy. Jeremy Sisto. Cyrus Lupo. Lupo. (laughs) I thought for sure that was a gimme two point. I did too. I hang my head in shame. Oh, boy. Okay. Sometimes it's like that. Sarah? I worked as a Philadelphia detective on cases that weren't very warm. Oh, little <laughs> Danny Pino on cold case. <laughs> Two points. Sarah, you just tied, tied with Mark. Bitch up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <sighs> Me. I took my new identity from some best-selling crime novels. Now I solve crimes in Boston. Teamed up with a medical examiner. Um, Angie Harmon <laughs> on Rizzoli and Isles. Two points for that. Oh, shit. All right, Mark, this is your second to last question. Penultimate. Uh, sure. <laughs> if you will. I, I prefer second to last. I went <laughs> I went undercover as an FBI expert on cult behavior, and now I'm one degree away from Kevin Bacon. Well, the show is the following. And... The actor is... Sarah knows this one, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the character. <laughs> the actor, actor, character is... will get you a point. Well, I know, but I don't know that. So, don't... Vincent D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. Oh. Sarah? Annie Paris. Yep. 
Oh, damn it. She had a horrible death on Law She too. did. And on the following. Mm. Okay. Yep. Sarah. Yep. I went undercover as a hooker and con artist pulling one over on a fire department lieutenant. Hooker and con artist pulling one over on a fire department lieutenant. Shit. Show. Uh, rescue me, Danielle Candy Callahan. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Melina Govich, Detective oh, Nina. How? <laughs> she's she still rocks. punishing you from beyond Just the grave. When I think Sarah. I can't hate her anymore. She goes and takes my points. <laughs> All right, Tara, your second Peg. to last or penultimate question. Why are you I getting w- fancy, Dave? <laughs> I went back in time, way back in time, to disguise myself as Abraham Lincoln. Apparently, my black butler kept a secret diary. Oh, no. Uh, oh, uh, the secret diary of Desmond Pfeiffer or Pfeffer. And is it Dan Florick? <laughs> hey! wow. Fuck you guys. Wow. <laughs> Here we go. Everybody's last question. So let's get a score. Sarah and I are tied with 15 points each. And Mark has 16. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, are you glad we played the whole game? I Come am. on. I am. Okay. Holy shit. <laughs> All right. Mark, you could end this game if you get both of these points. Ready? Oh, I know. I went back in time to work as a desk clerk in an emergency room in Chicago. I went back in time to work as a desk clerk in Chicago emergency room. Okay. You can ask for a hint. I'll give you the show and the character. You can't ask for a hint. He's got to win. You have to win. He has to win, Dave. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> okay. No, he doesn't have to. Ask for a the hint. Show Why not? Is fuck. It's one of two shows. Is it? Is the show Chicago Hope? No! God damn it. So it's ER. Yes. Look at Tara helping out. Uh, well, he didn't okay. get it right. He still he doesn't get a point for that. Who? But now he can piece it together. Knowing well, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> Gonna need an answer, I- Mark. Oh my god. Sam Watterson. <laughs> that would have been fucking oh awesome. Oh my god. It would have been Alas. such better. So we're playing the same part. All right. Tara, you seem to know. Mariska Hargitay. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Okay. So now we're on to Sarah. Last question. Sarah, you oh, can almost the end this game by getting both these points. I went undercover as the protege of a New Jersey Mafia boss. <sighs> okay, the show is The Sopranos. Uh, my name is Michael Imperioli. Yeah, it is! Yes! <laughs> Farina's partner, rest in peace. Yep. All right. So Sarah's- Also a perp in a very- So you got to get both of these to force yeah. a tie? Correct. Okay. Interesting, Dumb. interesting, interesting. Okay. 
I would like to remind everybody that the questions are <laughs> oh, no. and the order are randomized. Yeah. Okay. Really? <laughs> I went undercover. Oh, don't read anything into that, whether it's easy or hard. You'll find it. All right. I went undercover as the mother of a pregnant teen in a small Texas town. I went undercover as the mother of a pregnant teen in a small Texas town. Alicia Witt on Friday Night Lights. Guess what, people? We have a tie. She played oh, Detective Nola Falachi Fel- in the CI. With her new face, as I recall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, here's our tiebreaker. Mark, you're out of this. Sorry, Mark. Mark, Not that sorry. Take a seat. Take the Blankenship chair. Yeah, take a Blankenship chair. (laughs) So, guys, this is going to have to be uh, a shouter outer. Okay. I'm going to read the clue very slowly. Okay. Congrats, Tara. You get one chance before the other person does, okay? So you shout out whenever you want, but when you answer, you're out until the other person does, okay? Yeah, got it. All right. Are we ready? Yes. Yep. I'm now in the witness protection program. I'm working as director of the news division for Atlantic Cable News. Sam Waterston on the newsroom. That's two points. And with that, Tara takes the game. Since she had to watch the newsroom to do it, I'm fine with this. All right, guys, that is it for an extra supersized maxi extra hot great. After roll call, we discussed what makes for a satisfying procedural on television these days. Tara explained why she's not a crackpot for wishing for the consolidation of online streaming services and asked the question, are the cold case and the Axemen worse than jazz? After hearing arguments on both sides, Dave decided he will hate Dig. And we introduced our new segment called Around the Dial. Mark unsuccessfully brought us Bond Order's famous damaged episode for the canon. We crowned winners and losers of the week. And Tara was the winner of this week's nail-biting game time. Remember. We're listening. I am David Tickle on behalf of Tara Ariana. She has the mind of a child! Sarah Bunting. <laughs> we'll see this on appeal. <laughs> and Mark Blankenship. We'll try it in Israel. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time in two weeks here on Extra Hot Great. Don't scan my testicles ever again. Copy that.